0: The I Am Independent podcast with Loretta and Bianca. Stories, advice and discussions to resource, encourage and support independent music artists. Welcome to the I Am Independent podcast with Loretta and Bianca. Um, Today we are talking to an amazing singer-songwriter, an Australian singer-songwriter who is currently living in Berlin. We talk about her journey from Australia to London, to Berlin, um, from publishing deals to touring. And now she does hundreds of shows a year and is supporting herself independently. So um, enjoy this um, episode of Georgie Fisher talking about her independent artist journey. Well it's very
1: exciting today for the podcast because it's our first Skype interview yes. because our guest today is in Berlin but she's actually from Australia via London. Uh, she's got quite a story to tell. I recently met Georgie Fisher in uh, Hamburg at the Reeperbahn Barn Festival. Um, she's an amazing artist with a great work ethic, an incredible voice. And I just loved her story. And as you know, for the podcast, we want to give you artist stories so that you can know that there's no one route, there's no one way of doing things and be inspired by people's highs, but also their lows as well. And Georgie is a great communicator and an all round lovely person who well and truly looked after me in Hamburg. So we thought we'd have a chat. So Georgie, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thanks for having me, Loretta, and thanks for all the lovely compliments you just gave me. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: all true, it's all true. Um, I think when I first met you in Hamburg, um, Annie, we chatted, I knew that you were one of these people who kind of make things happen like you just get in there and put your, the fact that you just even asked for a meeting with me not really know much about me uh, and then the more I ask questions about your journey I was like yeah this girl is made for this industry because she is the word resilient came to mind uh, and when resilience meets talent then there, there's going to be some results I think um, but are, are you aware that you come across in that way or is that something you've had to to work on?
2: Um, that's not something I've actually heard before, um, that you considered me to be resilient uh, and that I'm a person that makes things happen. It's a great compliment. Again, thank you very much. Um, but I guess I haven't really thought about myself in that way. Um, but if I think about it, yes, I suppose you have to be being an independent musician. There's no real other way around it other than being thick skinned and willing to get out there and give things a go and be Open
1: for rejection, and uh, and just keep trying anyway. So, I think yeah, some, sometimes we don't realise until we kind of go over our story how much we've endured and gone through, and are, st- are still going. So, perhaps if we if we go back to the beginning, as I mentioned, you're you're from Australia. Just tell us a bit about your upbringing and how you uh, first got into music.
2: Okay, um, I guess I could say I come from a musical family. My um, my mother used to be a singer. Uh, when I was growing up, I remember her doing gigs in restaurants and stuff like that, um, kind of more as a hobby uh, on the side. But uh, she's a great singer. She taught me my first chords on the guitar when I was about ten or so. And uh, my dad was uh, very into music. Not such a talented musician himself, but he was—he's an enthusiast, we'll say. So. He uh, was responsible for introducing me to some of my first loves uh, in music, which was a lot of uh, like 70s rock and roll at Black Sabbath and stuff like that. And mum was more into the folk side of things. She loved Bob Dylan and Joan Baez. And so we grew up with a lot of music in the house. Um, And all three of us, I've got a brother and a sister and we've all ended up as musicians as as grown ups. So obviously um, it was always encouraged uh, in the house um, but it wasn't really until I was uh, in my early 20s that I ever considered that I might be able to do music as a career. Um, it was always something I had a bit of fun with, but I didn't really start to get into bands and start performing on stage and stuff like that till I was in my early 20s. And it's hard for me to believe this now, but there was a time that I was too shy to sing on stage or in front of people. Um which to me is now crazy, considering it's how I make my full-time living, and I perform hundreds of shows every year. But uh, the old me just uh, wasn't able to do it. Um, so I, I guess you could say it's been a very long, slow process for me to uh, get to where I am now. Uh, with, as you say, a lot of a lot of highs and a lot of lows. Probably mostly lows, if I'm honest. <laughs> Um but yeah, I guess that's a little bit of a background.
1: And uh what did it look like being a, a musician in Australia then? Um how did when you decided, okay, I'm gonna try and go for this, uh what was your route there? What kind of uh, gigs did you do? What was the scene like over there?
2: Okay, well um when I started out, um I I was really into um drum and bass music and like Hip hop and trip hop and stuff like that. Um, and I, although I could play guitar and and stuff, I always considered being a singer songwriter to be kind of boring. And um, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to work with electronic music artists and producers, um, which at the time is what interested me. So I worked as a vocalist with uh, with various projects as um, as a relatively small sort of. I don't know, I guess you would say drone bass or and, and or roots reggae kind of scene in Sydney. It's tiny, there's only a few people in it, but they're very committed and they throw regular parties and I was kind of in that scene. Um I sang with a band called The Virginaries. Mm-hmm. Um who did this kind of it's a it's a sort of a South Pacific influenced reggae type of style. Um which was cool, uh, we had a very eclectic uh, band with members from, from all over the globe. And that was cool, um, that was kind of my main project when I was in Sydney. Um, and I worked with uh, drum and bass producers from New Zealand and uh, we had a release um, that, which did pretty well. I think uh, that was probably the biggest uh, single that I released uh, whilst I was working in Australia. Um, and I lived in New Zealand too for a little while while I was working with them. Um so but it was that very sort of niche scene of that kind of that kind of music it didn't really have anything to do with the style of music that I'm doing now um, but when I was working in Sydney it was it is really tough to make a living there I think it's quite similar to London in that it's very expensive it's very competitive it's really tough for artists to actually make a decent living out of what they're doing and I always worked uh, on the side I always had sort of Odd jobs and things that I would do. I never managed to um, to do music full time, which was my dream. Um, but it was always just kind of too hard. And there was one point at which I had, you know, my main band and like three or four different other projects, and I seemed to be working so hard on music and not really getting seeing any much of a return. And that's when I just became exasperated and decided that I was sick of this whole music thing and I didn't want to do it anymore. Um, and it was just tiring me out and I hated it and I was gonna go traveling go to Europe for a little while and figure out what else I was gonna do with my life because this isn't working so that's kind of where I was at at the end of my my time in Sydney and uh, yeah and I think this is kind of where the story begins that I um, that I talked to you about the um, my time in London because i sort of ended up there
0: and how did that happen so you got fed up with um australia and it being tough just to just to make it sustainable to be a uh, artist and it sounds like you worked so hard with loads of um, gigs and you, was in, you know in different bands and doing different projects so um, yeah so you moved from there to london I, I, I thought that you moved from there to berlin but you moved from london was it easier here
2: no, it's the thing is I didn't move to London to try to do music. Okay. It sort of was the opposite thing actually. Um. I sort of wanted to get. I, I have to um also mention that it wasn't just the music that I was sick of. It was kind of I was at a, a time and place in my life where I was pretty unhappy in general, okay. uh, and I and I really wanted to just get out and travel. And I was a little bit. I think a lot of people go through this in their twenties. They're so mm. sort of trying to figure out really who they are and what they want. And, um, yeah, so was this is like kind of the was, place where I was at.
0: Like you wanted sort of a life change and just kind of find your personal groove in a way.
2: Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so it was definitely a lot of it was to do with being frustrated with my music career, but it was a general sort of personal change that I needed as well. Um, and I, I don't know, I didn't really have a plan. I just saved a bit of money and thought I'd go on, travel in Europe for a little while just sort of see if I could feel a little bit better somehow.
1: So, um, so what happened in London to uh, to change that?
2: Well, it was a funny situation. Like, as I was saying, I, I didn't ever really want to do that, go down that singer-songwriter route with the acoustic guitar and, and whatever. Um, and I'd always preferred to collaborate with others. And then I think... It must have been over a year since I'd done any kind of music, written anything, practised anything, had a gig. I had just decided to leave it behind me. And then I showed up in London and um, I was working in a bar, that terrible cliche of the Australian traveller working in a bar in London, that was me. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I just met this woman there. There was this, a table um, of, of people that I was sort of, over, I could overhear the conversation and I could—I figured out that it was an artist and her management team and they were talking about her new video and her photo shoot and when the single was going to come out and stuff like that and touring and blah, blah, blah. And that was the moment at, at which I realised that I miss that, mm-hmm. that I want that back, that, you know, I, I heard these people talking about the music industry and I kind of had this feeling of like, oh, have I made a mistake? Yeah. <laughs> Um, because I felt this longing of wanting to get back into it. Anyway, and then I sort of somehow got chatting with one of the people that was at this table, and uh, I mentioned that I used to be a musician, and she insisted that I show her something of my work, uh, which I did, and she said, you're amazing, I want to be your manager. I'm taking you on right now. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and it was this sort of crazy situation, and, um, and she sort of believed in me and, and took me on and she she and I started working together and I suddenly I had this, I was staying in this terrible sort of cheap apartment with, you know, 15 other people somewhere in London and there was a an old acoustic guitar in the corner and I found myself in this situation where I didn't have any connections the way I did at home, you know, i just arrived in this place. I didn't really know anybody um, so I couldn't just... Go and collaborate with somebody all I had was me and and this old guitar that I found so I picked it up and I started playing and and uh, and I wrote some songs and sort of just got back into it and uh, this woman she she found me a publishing deal and uh, they financed an EP and just in this relatively short space of time in London I just was launched back into wow okay, I'm a musician again, and that was really the beginning of what is now my solo career. It was the first thing I'd ever done under my own name. I'd always just been a singer in a band before, and now suddenly I was Georgie Fisher, and I was releasing an EP. Um, and it just all happens really quickly, and I realised that it was the right path, and I've kind of been on it ever since.
1: I'd love to talk to you a bit about um, how it felt. I mean, obviously, it was a bit of a surprise for you to even go back into music. You didn't know you were going to come back to it, but um, it'd be quite interesting to explore what it felt like to almost change genres as well because Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes artists start off in a way and uh, they feel they feel that they don't have a right to change genres or their fans don't allow them to but the whole idea of almost reinventing yourself I guess because you'd kind of drawn a line did that make it easier but also how did you feel about your music did you have to fall in love with it in a different way or did it bring out different aspects of your talent that you didn't know by doing this different genre um
2: I think a lot of it was kind of due to circumstance like I think, I mean, uh, Bianca and I just mentioned it briefly before we started the interview about not, not feeling as though you, um, you should have to stick in the same genre because it can stunt your creativity. And I feel like for me it wasn't, really, it wasn't really so much a decision to change genres. It's just like, to be honest, I've always kind of been a singer-songwriter. I wrote my first songs when I was 12. Uh, with a guitar, so that actually does come naturally to me, mm. so the style that I started to do officially when I moved to London was something that sort of had always been there um, and it 's more that I guess i I almost need input from other people in order to uh, in order to change to deviate from that genre of the sort of folk singer songwriter thing
0: yeah, because when you started, you kind of um just sort of collided with a particular scene didn't you um yes and then that kind of influenced the type of music that you then created but when you're you're just kind of you sort of me myself and i maybe the singer songwriter sort of genre kind of just comes out the folk exactly just, that's what yeah. naturally happens um so do you collaborate a lot is collaboration a big part of your process
2: um, I try to, yeah. It's it has been less so since I started uh you know, since the London experience and since moving to Berlin. Um once I moved over to Berlin I, I actually became a full time street performer for a little while. Uh-huh. Um and that was really just yeah, as you say, me, myself and I, me and the guitar. Um uh I uh, I met a guy from New Zealand who's an amazing guitarist and he and I played as a duo for a long time, so there was that collaboration there um and i i love collaborating on songwriting as well i feel like some of the best songs i've ever written have had input from other people um and i love to try to really serve the song rather than s- i i used to i think have some sense of ego of like i wanted to be the only one who yeah, yeah. who wrote the song and i've you know, I've, got, I've kind of tried to let that go and try to serve the song rather than my own sense of accomplishment, uh, and, it, and, it, and it always works out better. So,
0: yeah, that's interesting. Just a, a little tangent on that because um, I can relate to that. So, um, do um, did you do you find collaboration easy in terms of songwriting now? Um, now that you've done it a lot, or or do you prefer to write alone?
2: Um, sort of I think girl. I still prefer to write alone, to be honest. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
2: but I've found a, particularly a couple of collaborators that I think I work well with. Mm.
0: Um, and you also I, just end up writing just a, a song that you probably wouldn't have written if you, it was just you. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. quite often. Yeah. Um, or I've also had situations mm-hmm. where I've got an idea mm-hmm. and I can't flesh it out and somebody else comes up with a... You know, could be as simple as, Oh, what about you go to this chord and then mm. there you have a song. Yeah. Um yeah, is that is that like, have you had that experience as well? Sorry, I know I'm asking. Yeah, no, absolutely
0: You can ask each other questions. <laughs> okay, no, I absolutely good. relate. I mean I prefer to write alone, just probably the control freak in me and um, likes to have things my way. But there are songs yeah. that I'm that have come out that wouldn't have if i if i hadn't collaborated um or hadn't sort of did a done it as a co-writing situation i just you you can't you can't recreate two people three people in a room talking playing chords all those different things and just those three beings who have three different sort of thoughts and ideas and ideologies and skill levels and you know preferences um you can't recreate that by yourself so therefore You wouldn't have written that song alone so um it is it is really um educational but worthwhile um isn't it
2: yeah i agree yeah absolutely it's interesting that you have that same experience Mm. because that's that is something that i've found it difficult to get used to writing with other people especially if you've sort of grown up doing this Mm. and it's been something that you've always done alone which for me it has um and it is a bit of a different a very different experience to write with others. Yeah. I
1: think people who who can write do find that leap difficult, yeah. but those who perhaps they're like, oh, I, I can really like l- lyrics, but I I can't get a melody. Or I can get a melody. Then mm. for them, it's uh, they out of necessity have to collaborate. So then they Absolutely. enjoy it because it, the, the song gets finished. But if you're able to do that by yeah. yourself, it's quite a vulnerable thing mm. to give up and 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 space. Uh, to come in I think I think that's that's quite common for the artists. and the
0: ego thing that you said like I would ideally the real truth is I would love to say that I wrote the song all by myself like (laughs) oh I wrote that (laughs) that's so great you're amazing um there is a little bit of that I think um as a songwriter um it's just good to just to be be truthful and honest there's a little bit of that but um I guess you say when you're trying to serve the song and trying to create great music i think um you are able to set the ego aside Side, a bit yeah. easier um and that, that the you say either you come there out of necessity or you just it's journey journeying in the craft and going actually i just want to make great music however mm. that comes you know be interested Absolutely. to ask
1: you as well georgie because a slightly different way round to many artists that you got a publishing deal before you'd released music and it enabled you to release music um Mm. what did that feel like um at the time and in hindsight is that something that you're pleased it happened uh that way round? what's your experience of that as an independent artist
2: um to be honest when it was all happening I didn't really have much of an understanding of how all that worked Mm. um I was just sort of going along for the ride Um, And in terms of my personal story, um, as you said at the beginning, there is no one way for any artist to make their – to be successful or to to become who they are. And for me personally, in terms of my personal story, I think I can't imagine it having happened any other way. It's just just, – I went from being a person who was kind of a bit lost and not sure what I was doing to somebody who I feel today is very – focused and balanced and sort of happy, I suppose. And I'm not sure if I would have come to where I am now if it hadn't been for all that that happened uh, in London with the publishing deal and stuff like that. So I'm not sure I can really comment on whether it would have been better this way or Mm -hmm. this way or the other way um, because just the way it happened for me is just the way it happens. And And I'm very happy that it did happen that way.
0: Were there any benefits of having the publishing deal um did it did it help you as a creative or even just to move you along a bit um
2: um it helped me yeah in many ways um a huge part of it was financially as -hmm. as as you guys know it's really tough to um to finance albums especially when you're living in a big expensive city like london um and i just don't think i would have had the money to do the recordings without that so that's that's one thing but also just in terms of um I feel like there's really something to be said by just having somebody else who believes in you. Yeah. Um. Just having someone who's on your team who says, you know, who's not just like your mum, mm. who says, like, you know, I, I think what you're doing is great. Um. So it helped in that way just really just in terms of, mm. like, ha- having a self-esteem boost. Um. And then, of course, uh, with connections as well. Mm. You know, sort of now dealing with a London-based company who'd been there uh, working there for decades who had connections all over the place and were able to sort things out that I, as an Australian traveller with no friends over there, would have been able to uh, to secure. So, so yeah, it helped in, in a lot of ways.
0: And if um, anyone else was kind of facing a situation where they, you know, they were being offered publishing, what would your advice be to them?
2: Um, my advice would be to and this is my advice when it comes to any, any relationship that you're building in the music industry, to just make sure that you get along with the people in, on a personal level and that you trust them and that you believe that they have your best interests at heart. Um, and I think that's something that I've, I hold really important, I hold dearly that idea that, um, you know, it's it's not... You can look over the contracts and stuff like that. Obviously, get a lawyer. I mean, that's good advice too.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, make sure that you've got a lawyer that you trust to read, read everything over and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that, that'll be my, my main piece of advice. So just make sure that you, you feel that you trust the person and that they have your best interests at heart and that you've got a good feeling in your belly about it.
1: I think people underestimate that actually I mean it's something that comes up time and time again um in our podcasts and in our chats with artists of course ultimately it's the music business Um, and particularly when we think about a manager or publishing or a label you know we think about the business size but ultimately the success of those um relationships comes out of whether you you get along and they get Mm -hmm. you and we we're sometimes think oh because it's business we have to disengage our heart and it's just a mind and logic thing but sometimes if we leave our guts and our heart behind in a decision it can have disastrous results can't it I agree yeah definitely I think
2: for me that's really the most important thing because it is business but also if you know if any if anybody's sort of in business just to make money then there's, there are industries that are more effective at that than music you, know? yes. <laughs> like, you could go and be you know become a hedge fund manager or something if you're really just interested in profit um whereas if you are genuinely interested in the arts and interested in furthering artists careers and and stuff like that then yeah it does come down to uh whether or not those personalities um engage with each other well and whether or not there's a level of love and respect there, that to me is more important than anything else. Mm
1: Just a quick reminder that we have a growing library of really useful videos on our YouTube page, including interviews with artists and music industry insiders sharing their experience and expertise. Search IMR on YouTube or visit our website www.iamindependent.co.uk Now, London's known for being a, a really difficult city to do anything, just to, to live, really, and pay, pay your bills. But um, you've ended up in Berlin. And I have to say, when I was at Reaper Barn in Hamburg, I met so many people from all over the world who all live in Berlin, who say it's the best <laughs> place in the world to be as a creative and an artist. Just tell us, because we missed a bit out the story of how you ended up in Berlin and what's it what it's like to be there as an artist. OK,
2: cool. So... Um... Yeah so part of the reason I moved to Berlin is because my visa ran out in the UK and it was not able to be renewed Uh, and I thought to myself okay like obviously I told you sort of the first part of my story about being a little bit unsettled and kind of unhappy at home and then having moved over to the UK and sort of like things were sort of going better and I felt like I didn't want to go back to Australia now and then i'd like to stay on this journey of you know exploring and i decided to move over to germany because a there was a great opportunity for a visa there and b i had visited berlin and i'd fallen in love with the city and i thought it was great and i thought i could try it for a year just see if i like it um i'm still here six years later so obviously (laughs) it's gone well um (laughs) But, yeah, to answer your question a little bit about why it's so cool to live here, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the uh, the question of uh, London being difficult and expensive, that's come up a few times so far in our conversations. So that's a big one. It's much cheaper to live in, in Berlin than it is in London. Um, the uh, the Germans have got a bit of a different attitude towards uh, renting and home ownership than we do in the UK and in Australia. Yeah. It's like the, we have this sort of Australian dream of Owning your own home, you know, buying a house, having a mortgage—that's sort of the done thing in Australian society. Here, it's that's not important. Barely anybody owns their their home. Most people rent, and the rents are kept low by the government. So that one thing just makes it so much easier to get along. Um, if you if you are a, a young person who's just moving in and doesn't have an intention of owning owning a property, and just want to rent, it's just super easy. Um, so that's one thing. Also, uh, it is, it's is—it's always been a sort of the artistic capital of, of Germany. It's always attracted um, artists and poets and, you know, everywhere you look there's somebody here doing a creative project and everybody's collaborating with each other and helping each other out. Um, and there's a real audience here too. So even if, a, if you're a non-artistic person, if you've chosen to move to Berlin, chances are it's partly because you're interested in art and you want to go to galleries and you want to go out to concerts and so there seems to be everywhere you turn there's somebody who's kind of interested in what you're doing it doesn't feel like such a fight like it always did for me in London or in Sydney where you've got to kind of convince people that what you're doing is legitimate you just sort of don't have that here it's just a different mindset um, so yeah that's been my experience with the city and. Um, also, it's just kind of practical for touring if you're a musician. If you want to tour Europe, um, it's very central. You can very easily get to France or Italy or Switzerland or somewhere to do a little tour. And Germany itself is great for touring as well. Um, so, yeah, all of
0: those reasons has just made it
2: kind of perfect. And now I don't ever want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> so so for an
0: artist, you know, obviously as an independent artist, you want to two gigs and do your thing and then you do want to grow your career and, and touring is the way to do that. So say somebody in the UK wanted to sort of tour um, Europe when Europe is a big place but um, say they wanted to start in Berlin um, what other countries do you... If, if I wanted to do that what would be your advice? Like how would you suggest I go about it? Because you said you've done hundreds of shows and Berlin's a great place or, you know, how would somebody like me who's wanting to um expand my horizons do that How, what would hmm.
2: um i've got so um although obviously uh europe is very connected um both geographically and politically i still find that the the countries are still kind of pretty insular so um, to tour, yeah, as you say, Europe's a big place. Mostly I tour in either Germany, Italy, France mm-hmm. or Switzerland. And I I think it's probably better to think about it in those terms of mm-hmm. of touring in each country. Okay. Um, you know, you can sort of maybe do one that overlaps from southern Germany to northern Italy or something like that, mm-hmm. but... Um, There tend to be, so I work with a few bookers Mm -hmm. and they also tend to kind of stick to their own country. Mm. So there's one booker that I have in France. She doesn't have any connections at all in Germany, but she'll book you right along the border on the French side. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And then, But to to sort of get connections in cities that might only be 50 kilometres away, but they're in the next country, Um, it's sort of a whole separate ecosystem. Um, So that's something that I've that I've kind of learned, I guess.
1: Um, and You've done that all yourself, George. You've made your own connections. You've just done that hard work of the research and initially um, the bookings yourself. And are some of the tours, do you literally book yourself as well?
2: Mostly, yeah. So I, I, I booked pretty much everything myself. I've built, I've built up. So kind of a couple of years ago, when I moved to Berlin, I was only playing in Berlin. Um, and as I think I mentioned, I was full-time street performer and I was, I was out there every single day Playing on the streets, playing in the bars. Um, they've got this culture of, of hack gigs in in Germany. Yeah. I don't know if this, I know it's definitely not a thing in the UK, but it's like instead of paying a ticket price, it's, it's a donation based okay. system. Okay. So, um, which is kind of very strange coming from, you know, like if you play a gig in Sydney, you get a fee, you get paid. It's not. And obviously, that is a thing here as well. But I particularly time, I've learning, done gigs in a London bit of a like poor that, actually. City. Yeah, I've done that. Sorry. Like,
0: sorry to interrupt. I did gigs in London like that, actually. That about two gigs where they, like, yeah, they pass the hat around at the end of the gig and, you know. But
1: British people right. are tight.
0: Very tight. We do. We right. went, home, we went home with a few pennies. But, um, <laughs> yeah, right. Better than nothing. Right. So, so yeah, that's the thing. Like
2: here, it's different. It's a really big part of the culture, not just in Berlin and other places too. And Germans are very generous. Like it's a, wow. it's like a, it's almost like a direct sort of real life crowdfunding thing. It's like people are really, they, it's their way of showing you directly how much they appreciate your art. Wow. You know, and it is a thing. It's a, it's a, it's a big part of the German culture, which was very strange to me when I arrived. Um, but it's a particular thing in Berlin. And it's partly because it is a poor city. It's like, I think it's the only European ca- capital city that actually decreases its nation's GDP. It's
1: like,
2: wow. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, it is a poor city. It's still recovering from, from socialism. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, there's a reason why a lot of stuff is cheap here. It's like a lot of people are also struggling. You know, it's not, it's not all just a, an artist's playground. It's like, mm-hmm. it is still being rebuilt from the Second World War. There's a lot, there's so much going on economically here and a lot of places just can't afford to pay you so they ask you to play there and then they ask the audience to give directly um and these is these are the kinds of gigs i was doing when i first got here um and it's to me i think it's a really cool way to sort of establish yourself as a local artist earn your
1: stripes and hone your performance and and Ah. all of it yeah people skip that these days i think in the uk because is not a necessity um and we've talked about this on the podcast before how some artists can be dare I say lazy or maybe Mm -hmm. reluctant to to get out there and perform but I I always say you're not an artist unless you're being an artist and touring is an, an essential thing but it's there's so many things you gain back from putting yourself in those situations to just regularly perform in front of an audience.
2: Absolutely. And uh, sorry, I think I just went off on a huge tangent that didn't answer your question, but I'll, I'll come back to it. You're, you're asking me about the touring and how I, um, how I put the, the tours together. Um, and I think it begins with exactly that, with getting out there and performing and, um, and how do you put it to hone your performance and things like that. And that was where I really started. And I had no idea how to go on tour and all I wanted to do was go on tour because I played every night in Berlin. And so I decided to figure it out and I sat down and figured it out. And I asked for help from people that I knew, Berlin-based bands that, that also went touring a lot. And um, and it is really just a question of trying to work your contacts and figure out who might be able to get you a gig in the next city and then the city after that. And, um Yeah, and I've sort of, I've gotten to a point now where I I book all my own tours, but I have a lot of help. Mm. So I work with three or four different booking agencies. I don't have any kind of exclusive contract or anything with anybody. Um, It's more just sharing contacts. A whole lot of independent artists, just like you guys, just like sharing, um, yeah, sharing contacts with each other or ideas or advice and, you know, it's pretty... um, it's pretty long process to book a tour as you know but uh, if, uh, when you have this kind of help from different people um, I find that all can come together pretty well so
1: and is that your main income now is that's what's enabled you primarily to be uh, have a sustainable career as an artist is it is it mainly the touring how often do you tour it is mainly the touring yeah
2: so I sort of I did my first European tour three years ago and um, in the years following, I, I've, I actually the last last year and year before, I think I was touring a little bit too much, so I've tried to chill out a little bit this year. Um, I sort of, I think 2018, I was on the road from just April to October, just oh. constantly going to all different countries.
0: <laughs> and, what, and were all the um, dates paid dates? Sorry, were all the dates? Um, were, were you able to fund? Were you able to fund the tour from the tour?
2: Yeah, so I tried to. Um, uh, it's it's a it's a mixture like some places are uh ticketed, some of them are set fees mm-hmm. um but i do um you know as much as I appreciate the hack culture and stuff, I do try to make sure that there's a minimum fee mm-hmm. um to secure a minimum fee because when you're touring, obviously you've got your expenses to pay as well, and you can't really rely on donation based stuff you've mm-hmm. got to get proper properly paid gigs so yeah i've I've worked hard on. Um I'm actually very lucky to have a background in logistics. Mm. My uh <laughs> my family business is logistics, so I kind of grew up working in this business doing uh doing warehousing, which okay. sounds completely unrelated, but actually the skills that I learned there are very, very valuable when it comes to booking and managing tours. That's great. Um <laughs> yeah. So I've worked a lot on um just having like A few ideas in mind, like, for example, don't book cities that are too far apart from each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Make sure you've got an idea of what your expenses are going to be before you set out. Make sure you know how many gigs you need per week and how much you need to earn from those gigs. And if you kind of try to keep on track of all that stuff, Mm -hmm. then you can book a financially successful tour, particularly in those countries that I mentioned, France and Germany and Mm -hmm. Italy, like, they're, they're places that do offer you good fees,
1: and aside um, from the fees, what are some of the other things that you've gained from touring? Obviously, we talked about the fact that you can hone your talent, but have you seen your following increase? Um, what What are some of the other things that you've you've gained and learned from from touring so extensively?
2: Um, yeah, I think it's. Uh, I try to go back to the same cities because it's it means that you do have a, a following in in cities other than your home city, so. Um, I, I try to go back to the same places, kind of you know every every quarter or half a year or something like that, um, and and I find that that's that's really valuable to continue to build a fan base um, because yeah I mean as you know like for an independent like you don't you don't sort of have um, a huge following but you can build them sort of really face to face by doing those gigs. Um, and yeah, I found that that's been really helpful. Um, and it just, it's, it enables you to expand a little bit more and not just be in the same place all the time.
1: Yeah. One of the things, um, that we chatted about Georgie when we met in Hamburg is as much as for me, and it's always interesting when I hear about artists who, um, they don't realize how. Much they've achieved because you've got your head so much in it and you're doing the creative bit, but you're often also doing the business bit. And it was, you know, as I, you could see how impressed I was with you. You're like, oh, yeah, I guess I have done a thing or two. I <laughs> guess I do know a thing or two. But um, our conversation was because you're looking for some support from management and you would like that. And we've talked a lot on the podcast about when you're ready for a manager, about getting your team. And um, of course, as much as you've built yourself a sustainable career it is difficult to do it by yourself isn't it and it is quite a lonely road as well um where do you think um that you would most benefit or you would most like to have some support um in your career where in light of what you've managed to maintain yourself um and what you would just hope for
2: um, that is a great question, and that is one that I ask myself a lot. Because, yeah, as I said, the the way that we were introduced is because I said I was looking for a manager, which I which I am. But I'm because I've been doing it myself for such a long time. And yes, it is tough and it is lonely. And it goes back to what I said earlier about just having somebody else who believes in you as being kind of the main thing. Somebody to ha- just to bounce ideas off and. I don't know, to, to continue to drive you forward with you rather than it feeling like it's always just you trying to do it. Um, but in terms of, like, actually what area I need someone in, I, I, I'm not really sure because, as I said, because I have been doing everything myself. I, I, I'd, I'd struggle to say, oh, well, I need someone doing bookings or, like, oh, I need someone doing social media or, um, you know, I don't know it's uh, I'm I'm not sure really which part I'd need most but I, I suppose definitely you know, want someone to do yeah. something
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> do you think it's a little bit of the struggle of actually doing everything by yourself for so long Is like what do you let go of in a way yes what do absolutely. you actually trust someone else to take and you yeah. can be like okay I'm not going to do that anymore. And then just trust whatever their, their approach. Because it's actually exactly. hard.
1: When you get to a level of success, it's quite hard to bring somebody into that. Um, it's different if it's that from the beginning, mm. but to hand over, you know, your baby that you've grown and put all, all the work in. Um, I guess it's even harder and more, or even more important to make sure that that person gets you and gets your vision and, and that you connect, I guess.
2: Totally. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing about sort of you can't just sort of go oh I need a manager you know so oh you'll you'll do or you know it's got to be someone that you really get along with that you connect with that you approach things in the same way you know as we've said now a few times there's no one path um and yeah finding someone that you work well with and that you really believe in and that really believes in you is that's that's tough and uh yeah and yeah as I said Bianca like trying to figure out what you want to let go of, that's yeah. hard as well. Like, I think you mentioned being a bit of a control freak earlier. That's yeah. something I completely relate to as well. Yeah. I always want to be in 100% control of everything that's happening. And If somebody came along and said, oh, I'll take care of the bookings, I'll do that part, I think I would struggle with that.
0: Yeah, it would be hard. But um, it's just yeah. the right person. And as you said, the relationship will help you sort of allow you to do that. But what yeah. is great about your journey is that you have done so much for so long yourself, and you know, as with a lot of relationships and um, business ones, can come and go. But at least that you will know that actually, even if you wouldn't like it, you could continue your journey and grow your career yourself because you've been doing it for so long and you've built the skill set. And it's something that we really try and say to um, independent artists that, like, a lot of the time, as you say, you want somebody there. It's also to not be alone. It is very lonely, and to have support. But um, I, those, that's not enough of a reason, um, really, um, to hand over the range right entirely. You need to be. I think it is about adding two skill sets together as well to create something more.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. I agree. I think it's very valuable to um, to sort of. I try to break it down a little bit into sections. Sometimes I try to imagine that I've got a staff of five people, you know, doing their
0: doing separate <laughs> the job. The dream. Yeah, the
2: dream. And uh, and sort of I, I try to focus. Um, that's, that's I think, advice that I would give to somebody starting out is to try to um, not to try to do everything at once mm. but to try to focus building your skills in different areas. Like, you know, focus on, on booking tours and then once you've kind of figured out how to do that, maybe stop touring for a little while. And focus on... Mm. Um, trying to build up some buzz around your release or something because that's a whole separate job in itself. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I try to, try to sort of break it down and and, um, and do bit by bit. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think it's important. I kind of think it's important before you find someone to do a job that you also understand what that job is. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah So you know if they're doing it or not.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you, you understand what they're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so...
1: What would you say, Georgie? Looking back now, are some of the most important lessons or 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 the most valuable things that you've learned along your artist journey? And um, if it if it helps, what would you want to say to your twenty year old uh, self, baby? To my twenty
2: year old self, I'd say stop being so anxious. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, I think I I think I'd say um try not to be so overwhelmed by it all
0: mm.
2: just take it one day at a time one step at a time um have some self-belief and uh and uh work hard and go for it mm-hmm.
1: good advice well georgie it's been an absolute pleasure to get to know you i know you've got some new music out at the moment just tell us about that and how we can follow you and find out more about you and your, and your journey Absolutely. I've
2: got a new single out. Um it's been a little while since I've released music, so I'm really excited to have some new music out there. Um the single is called Just Be and uh it's a true story. It's about a young girl who uh I met in Slovenia and she lived in a tiny town where she couldn't tell anybody that she was gay. And um uh and I identify as a bisexual woman and I personally was very lucky to have um very supportive family and friends growing up when I was kind of trying to figure out that stuff. And I felt awful for this young girl and for millions around the world who do not have that same opportunity. And I wrote the song about her and uh, made a video to go with it. Um, So yeah, it's all about self-discovery and coming out and being happy with who you are. And it is out everywhere on all the places where you can listen to music.
1: Cool. And And it's called Just Be. And what are your uh, social media handles so we can find you? I'm Georgie Fisher or Georgie
2: Fisher Official. So Facebook and Instagram is both Georgie Fisher Official. Um, yeah, Spotify you can find me in the Georgie Fisher. It's all kind of yeah, it's all kind of the same. My, my website is georgiefisher.com, and all the links are there. So you can, you've
0: done it the right way. You have you you made yourself you very easy to find. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, yes. Well done. Uh, thank you so much for talking to us.
2: Thank you for having me. It's been a
0: great pleasure. Awesome. And don't forget to sign up to our mailing list where you'll receive a free 10-day guide especially designed to inspire and equip independent music artists with some really useful, practical and inspirational resources.
1: Sign up at www.iamindependent.co.uk for more great content from I Am Independent, find us on social media at We Are Independent Artists. Check out our Spotify playlist for new music from independent artists. Search We Love Independent Music.